Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to Downey and Martez. This is a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. Our names are in the title now, but we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. I am the Downey half of Downey and Martez. I am Trey Downey. And along with me, as always, is the one and only the true playoff in Lombardi Lenny, Lynn Martez. I am the caffeine of this Bucks Nation podcast. You are the downer, not just the wow. downer, the downer. Yeah, I'm calling you the downer. Wow, we're going to start off on that note. Let's let's see when we get into talking about these picks. You heard us last week, our debut here on Bucks Nation. want to give a big thank you to everybody who watched the live stream on Twitter last week at Bucks underscore Nation. As uh, Len and I went live through the – we were originally going to go through the top 10 picks, and then trades started happening, and we went a little bit longer. But we're, we weren't there for pick number 32. Uh, so we're going to react to the Bucks pick in the first round and the rest of the draft uh, today for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then we're also going to take a look around the entire NFL, look at the draft and were there any really intriguing picks to us? Did we think anybody super improved through this year's NFL draft? And I've got a pretty hot take about an undrafted free agent who I think could be a starter at quarterback in 2021 but we will get to that later Lynn let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as I mentioned they picked at 32 in the first round they did not trade up and from reports it seems like they got exactly the guy that they wanted they draft Joe Tryon an edge rusher from the University of Washington Jason Light and company like those defensive linemen from the University of Washington Vita Vea coming from there as well. We mentioned it on the live show that going edge rusher, going pass rusher, anywhere on the defensive line, those were our predictions on where we thought the Bucs would go. I believe you said interior defensive line, I said edge, and they got the guy that they wanted. Do you Are you as satisfied with the Bucks pick in the first round as Jason Light and company seem to be? Yes, why wouldn't you be? Um... At 32, you're watching, weirdly enough, and Jason Light talked about this on Thursday night after they drafted Joe Tryon. Weirdly enough, you're in a position, the unfortunate position, but yet it's still a fortunate position. It makes sense to the standpoint of unfortunate to watch guys you have on your board get drafted, but you're watching those guys get drafted because you're drafted at 32 because you're the defending reigning Super Bowl champions, as I do my best, uh, Paul Heyman. But with that, yeah, you get a guy that can be basically an apprentice under Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, kind of like how Shaq Barrett did in Denver under DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller and that Super Bowl winning team in 2015 and the, and the years that Shaq Barrett spent there. By the way, it's got two rings. Um, and with that, again, Joe Tryon becomes an apprentice, may play special teams. More than likely, of all the draft picks, and we'll certainly get into all of them, he's probably the guy that's going to see the football field the most in 2021. A lot of things got to be hashed out. I mean, we're talking about May, but he's your first-round pick. And in reality, that's what you're expecting. You're expecting your first-round pick to play the most even on a Super Bowl winning team when you're 
drafting at 32. And again, you talked about it on Thursday night when it came to drafting a, a, an emphasis, not a need, emphasis. And yeah, the defensive line was, was somewhat of an emphasis in the first round. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that they, that they go that route. I mean, it's clearly the guy that they, they had scouted and was the number one on their board. I was a big proponent. I mentioned his name during the, the draft show of Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, who probably had the talent to be a top 10, top 15 pick, but there were concerns about a possible knee injury uh, with Ojolari. I believe he went early in the second round. So that was the guy I kind of had circled. I admittedly, you even said it as well, didn't watch a ton of Pac-12 football last year. They started the started the season late uh, out on the West Coast. So I didn't know a ton about Tryon going into this. But I'll say this, I didn't know a ton about Vita Vea when the Bucs drafted him very early in the first round. And he turned the out only pretty difference well. Is, the only difference is Vita Vea played his last season and the Bucs were able to watch him as far as film's concerned for mm-hmm. his last season. Joe Tryon opted out yeah. for the 2020 season. And listen, we talked about it on Thursday night regards to players opting out. I got no problem with players opting out for whatever reason, especially during the year of COVID. And especially in the year that leagues, conferences, were still trying to figure out whether or not they were going to play. Especially in the in Pac-12. And October. Yes. So, you know, with that, if you try to, if you're out, opting out, and then you, then the league decides they're going to play. You try to get back in, you're not able to get back in. I got no qualms with play, players opting out. I got no problems with Joe Tryon not playing in 2020. But his his film tells you that he's an edge rusher yeah. and that he's built like the other guys are. We're talking about six five two sixty, built like Jason Pierre-Paul, built like a brick house to be in three four defense. That again. Years ago, a couple of years ago, when Todd Bowles was brought here under Bruce Arians and Jason Pierre-Paul was still part of his football team, I openly admit it. I'll say it again. I was like, this dude's going to play in a 3-4. He's going to stand up. And certainly he's proven that he can. And I'm expecting the same thing from a 6'5", 260-pound guy like Joe Tryon to do the same thing. And something interesting that I think that the Bucks could possibly be able to do with the addition of a guy like Tryon uh, and a first-round pick as an edge rusher. You mentioned you were skeptical about JPP standing up and dropping back into coverage and all, all that stuff that they asked him to do. But JPP is also a guy that can put his hand in the ground. And I think that this opens up the possibility of you can have JPP, Shaq Barrett, and Joe Tryon all out there on third down, whereas you have Shaq and Tryon standing up and rushing from the edge, and JPP can still possibly get uh, pressure on the quarterback, whether he's a five technique or wherever they put him with his hand on the ground alongside a Vea and an Indomitian Sue. I think that that opens things like that up a little bit more as opposed to where you have Golston as your other uh, down lineman on third round, who isn't much of a pass rusher per se. Yeah, but you mentioned that as far as JPP putting his hand on the ground. That's one of the things I never doubted because yeah. you can ask the guy that takes snaps for the t- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remembering Super Bowl 46, JPP put his hand on the ground in Super Bowl 46 and was part of that NASCAR package that the Giants used to run. And he had to play some inside along with Jason Teckler and the other guys. And he's done it. And he's done it here in this defense. And I said 3-4 as far as Todd Bowles is concerned. Mm-hmm. 
But heck, sometimes it's two, sometimes yep. it's three, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's five. The package is different each time. But bottom line is, and Jason Pierre-Paul certainly doesn't have to prove anything to us because he's already proven it. You're hoping that Joe Tryon can be as successful as those guys playing in this type of defense. Yeah, and you mentioned him being built like a brick house. We've seen some workout videos and work and stuff of this guy. It's like me. Don't give yourself really that much credit, Lynn. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. That hurt too, by the way. Posing. Yeah, posing hurts, and yet you're comparing <laughs> your physique to Joe Tryon. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a, a, a value pick, and pass rusher is always a big thing to get in the first round of the draft. And, you know, I, I liked Ojolari out of Georgia, but I don't have a ton of qualms with Tryon being the pick there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But now, Lynn, let's fast forward to what made a lot of the headlines for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and probably was uh, the biggest headline of day two of the draft on Friday night. The Bucs rolled around to the number 64 overall pick. And according to Jenna Lane of ESPN, they ended up with a guy that they considered taking with the number 32 overall pick. And that is Kyle Trask, the quarterback out of the University of Florida. It seems as though the plan is for him to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady whenever he does decide to hang them up. They kept Tom Brady in the loop the entire time, according to Jason Light and Bruce Arian. So this is not an Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love type situation. Lynn, come whenever Tom Brady decides to hang him up, do you think that Kyle Trask becomes starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Because I think that's the, the biggest question out of all of this. Well, there is a skill set that says that he can play in this league. There's also weaknesses that says can he really be a starter in this league for a winning football team I mean the skill set is similar to what Tom Brady plays like right being yep. in the pocket maneuvering in the pocket don't getting not getting outside the tackles do all your work inside inside that box now with that I tweeted it out on, on Friday night I'll say it again there are a whole lot of highlights that Kyle Trask had in Gainesville and being where we are, and you and I have done shows on Saturday mornings, we've talked about college football. We've previewed college football, and we've watched enough of Kyle, Kyle Trask. If not all of his games, heck, a whole lot of them yep. to know that he's good enough to play, to play in a system that is built for what he does well. And if you draft him, you're going to play him in a system and what he does well. Let's not forget, too, he played for a college coach that a lot of folks haven't really connected the dots when it comes to Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen had a fourth-round pick that got a whole lot of money this offseason. Yep. And, and if you don't know who I'm talking about, talk about the guy in Dallas, Dak Prescott, right? Fourth-round pick, forced to start when Tony Romo got hurt and been the quarterback in Dallas ever since barring the injury that he had. So if you're thinking in terms of, well, he's a second round pick and is he good enough to play in the league? Give it some time because Kyle Trask can't go in. He could not have been in a better situation for himself to go in a situation where the first year he's not playing. 
The second year, he married and play. And as Jason Leiter already stated, the fact that Tom's playing as long as Tom wants to play. You mentioned the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. I don't, I don't even like even thinking in those terms because there's, there's hot and there's cold. And it's hot in Tampa Bay, not just temperature-wise, but the difference is it's hot and all good in Tampa Bay, and it's cold and nasty in Green Bay. Two different worlds when it comes to the quarterback situations. But again, as far as trash is concerned, let's not forget who he played his college football for and how that coach got Dak Prescott ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to me as far as how his prospects go for playing in the NFL as far as will he be a great quarterback? Will he be a starter? Let's wait and see. I think that the the storyline would be a little bit different had they have picked him in the first round. I think that really would have shown how much the Bucs like him. My biggest worries about Trask is Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the GOAT. Uh, but in this day and age, I like my quarterback to be a little bit mobile. And Trask is not a very mobile guy at all. And I do worry a little bit about arm strength. I mean, he, I'm not concerned to the point where some people were concerned about Tom Brady last year, but he doesn't have the cannon that some of the top picks in this, uh, in this year's draft did. So those are my two biggest worries about Kyle Trask. That's one of my biggest worries. Why I wasn't really high on Mac Jones was the lack of mobility there as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. And one of them, more interesting things I think that's going to be part of this story is so you're drafting guy for the for the future right so I want to know whose input was valued the most in taking this pick because I'll be completely honest I don't think Bruce Arians is coaching another football game barring injury where Tom Brady is not his starting quarterback put simply I think once Tom retires Bruce retires. So was it Bruce that was very high on a Kyle Trask? Was it all Jason Light and the scouts? Or how much was Byron Leftwich's opinion taken into this? I'm sure some, but I'm just interested in it because the Bucks have such an interesting dynamic with a quarterback who you do want to, you know, possibly take someone who could replace him in the somewhat near future. But then at the same time, you've got a coach who, poss- who probably won't go longer than your quarterback as well, which is different than a lot of the situations we see when a team is drafting their quarterback of the future. So I'm interested to see how that all plays out because to be completely honest, if you're hiring a new coach, if you're bringing in a new coach, the a completely new regime, the year that Tom retires and if Bruce retires at the same time, I'm not sure that I like Trask's chances as it much to be the starting quarterback. It all quarterback. depends on who's still here. Yeah. Because that staff may just be elevated to take over for Bruce. Adams. Exactly. I mean, that's, honestly, if you gave me money and said bet on something to happen, that's what I would bet on happening. Whether it be defensive coordinator Todd Bowles becoming the head coach, who could have interviewed for jobs this offseason, or Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. becoming head coach. Whatever it is, you asked the question as far as who had the most input as far as Kyle Trask is, is concerned. And my thing is, Bruce Aarons, you can talk about mobility all you want when it comes to 2021 in the NFL, but it's about the system. And go back to Ben Roethlisberger, go back to Byron Leftwich in Pittsburgh, go back to Andrew Luck 
go back to Carson Palmer, even Jameis Winston here. There's a certain level of mobility um, that those guys, with the exception of maybe Oliver, uh, Andrew Luck, they didn't ben, ben was pretty mobile at the ben, when Bruce was with Ben. Him. Ben extended plays. Ben extended plays, but he's not your prototypical 2021 get outside the, the tackles and outside the pocket guy. Yeah, that's not his. That's not his game. He I'm with you. Time. He bought time because he's big as he is and could shake guys off of him. But when he when he played the game, he played the game from tackle to tackle in the pocket. And with the exception of Andrew Luck, that's how all of I mean, Jameis, if it wasn't for Tom Brady, he, he could potentially still be here and he'd be playing within the tackles. Yep. That's the system that Bruce has. So whether it's Bruce, when Tom decides to leave, which I agree with you, they'll probably walk out together, hand in hand, metaphorically. But when it comes to the next coach, I think he's already here. I think it's one of those two guys that are inside that building at the Advent Health Training Center. And with that, you may see the same system that Bruce runs now. And with that, you have Kyle Trask, whose skill set fits the system. You're not going to ask him, look, you can talk about the other quarterbacks that went to other places. Heck, they were eight of them that were drafted in the first three rounds. But Kyle Trask was number six when it came to the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And you can talk about the quarterbacks that were drafted prior to him, before him, who may play sooner than he plays. But those guys were drafted by teams who saw those guys fit their offense. And that's what Kyle Trask does. He fits this current regime's offense. And I don't think the regime's offense is going to change as long as Bowles and Leftwich are here in Tampa Bay. I think in an ideal world, that's how this whole thing ends up playing out. Uh, I think the Bucs would love to have Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich as their next coach. But I think it's going to be, let's just see how long Tom wants to play. Uh, because if Bruce decides to stay as long as Tom uh, wants to play, are those guys going to end up taking other jobs before that happens? That's the only that's the only caveat in this, because if you say just one year, if you say the Bucks run it back and they they win again, I could see Bruce wanting to hang it up and Tom wanting to stick around. Then I don't necessarily see a I could if it happens next year, if the Bucks need a new coach in 2022, I think it'll definitely be one of those guys. If it gets stretched to 2023, that's when I start to worry just a little bit as far as, you know, who's it going, who is it going to be? But I also think in, in that scenario as well, you're probably asking guys what they think about Kyle Trask. If Jason Light and the brass believe in Trask that much uh, when we get to that point. That's fine. But you don't have one coach potentially in waiting. You have two. Yep. So you're talking about if Todd Balls were to leave, God bless him. But if he were to leave take a, and take another stab at head coaching in the NFL, great. There's still someone else who was part of Bruce's staff that would still be here, and that would be Byron Leftwich. And he would still be running the offense that he's running right now. And with that, again, you got a player in Kyle Trask who fits what the offense wants to do. Yeah, and obviously I think Byron is more – important for the future of a Kyle Trask because we've seen it 
and we've seen it in the past. You can even say James Winston was a victim to it as far as turnover goes and a, no pun intended right there uh, when it comes to coaching staffs and rookie and young quarterbacks going through a ton of different coaches. So Byron being here is obviously the biggest thing when it comes to that. Uh, now let's move on and talk about the Bucks' next draft pick, which was also on night two of the draft. And that was Robert Hainsey, uh, an offensive lineman out of Notre Dame. Notre Dame to me uh, last year had the best offensive line in all of college football. And this is a guy who played right tackle for Notre Dame, but listening to draft experts, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, some of the other guys out there talk about him. One of the biggest things about this guy is he's very versatile and he even played center uh, at the, uh, at the senior bowl in mobile this past year. So I think that that's taking a offensive lineman in, in the third round and you're getting a guy from one of the best offensive lines in the country. He obviously wasn't drafted as high as some of these other tackles when we had a run of them in the late first and then early second round. But versatility is a huge, huge thing on the offensive line. And, you know, you have your right tackle of the future right now in Tristan Morphs, even though you and I both agree that he will probably eventually be the left tackle of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But having a guy that is that versatile is huge because – if a guy goes down and you have a guy that reliable, you can slot him in anywhere where he needs to be. And we've seen the Bucks, uh, you know, have a propensity to like these guys that are versatile, like a Joe Hawley who played guard and center. And I think probably right now, when you're talking about the Bucks getting someone who could possibly start in the near future, I think center is probably the position where they're going to be looking for someone the soonest if they don't decide to re-sign Ryan Jensen, who's currently on a, on a pretty big contract. So if Hainsey continues to get better at the center position, I think that that's somebody who could eventually slot into a starting role for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've talked about it on Thursday night draft night. Death, taxes, and offensive linemen getting hurt during the season. You can count on it for happening. And because of that, you want to have the depth. All coaches talk about having depth on the offensive line. We've watched it here in Tampa Bay the last couple of years. The Bucs would go out and bring a familiar face that Bruce was accustomed to and the offense was accustomed to. And Earl Watford, an older guy, but he was basically a, a security blanket. He added a depth to your team and was able to, to move around in different spots and gave you some playing capabilities, whether it be a right guard, left guard. This is what Hainsey does, a young guy who, as you mentioned, his versatility. But when we talked about the draft prior to, we've talked all off season. It's a matter of what do you want to emphasize? Because whenever you go on the draft in 2021, any of the seven picks are not going to be guys who you're going to have to push and force in barring injury. If there is one, then you want to have a capable guy that can play multiple positions for you. You obviously don't want to lose any of your five starters across the offensive line, but in the guy in Hazy, eventually when it comes to being in the NFL, getting his feet wet, adapting to the next level, you're hoping that he can adapt to playing three different positions across the offensive line, including center. Yeah. And that's why I like the pick uh, a lot, especially for, for the value. You can't really beat uh, that much of a of a versatile guy 
when talking about a third round draft pick at offensive line. So that's, that's why I really like that pick. Now let's get into the weekend picks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their first pick of the weekend was a position I did not necessarily see them taking in the NFL draft. The Buccaneers broke a 17-year draft drought for the Mean Green of North Texas when they took Jalen Darden, a wide receiver out of North Texas. He is a speedy guy who can also return kicks. And to me, that's got to be the biggest thing when it comes to Darden, because this is a crowded, very crowded uh, wide receiver room for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. uh, Then you've got Scotty Miller. You've got Tyler Johnson and Justin Watson still on the roster. So when you get to a Sunday, you're probably carrying you're carrying at least five receivers. Some teams carry six for a guy that can return kicks or do good things on special teams. Justin Watson is a very good spec. He doesn't return kicks, but he's out there on special teams coverage on punt and kick return. And we've seen him get quite a few tackles. I like Justin Watson a lot, but I think that that might be a position where we're talking about guys competing for a roster spot. And Darden, I think the Bucs had to like his returning abilities to to take him where they took it absolutely not only that but if you think about we talked about Hangsley the third round pick guy like uh Jalen Darden who played all four seasons in North Texas and we're going to talk about the remaining pieces of this draft the Bucks draft picks but there's a theme when it comes to Darden and the other guys drafted after him And that's a fact that these guys played all four years of college football. No red shirts, no guys coming out early. The Bucs emphasized getting guys who could play on special teams, as you mentioned in Darden. But also, they're kind of, they're not in the the immature way of being 19 and 20 years old. These guys are 21, 22, 23 years old who are ready to step in and play at the next level because they played four years of college football. These are grown men now. And that includes Robert Hainsey, who was a two-time team captain, too, at yeah. Notre Dame. So that matters. It's a matter of maturity, getting guys who are ready to walk into that locker room and be a positive piece to a championship-winning football team. You could be – we talked about it last week. You could be an awful dog eventually in this locker room. But when you come into it in 2021, know your role because – Again, <laughs> know your role is such a mouth. Know your role because you're going to have one. These guys are all going to have a chance. From the fourth pick all the way down to the seventh pick. Again, special teamers, guys who played all four seasons in, of college football, mature guys who are going to walk into that locker room again and be a vital piece, but a, also a mature piece to that locker room. And if you want to learn more about Jalen Darden, uh, Bailey Adams of Bucks Nation, just go to BucksNation.com. He's got a piece up, three things that you need to know about Jalen Darden, the new wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like I said, very, very crowded wide receiver room. So when we get into fall camp, I think that's going to be one of the biggest positions where we're talking. It seems like every year we have this conversation. You and I have done a ton of live videos from camp and talking about the raw who's going to make the team. And it always seems like 
the biggest eyes are right on who is going to be the last receiver to make the team. And when you have versatile guys that can play on special teams like like Darden and like Watson, I think those first five guys I mentioned, their roster space is probably they're safe. In. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're safe on the team. And we're going to be circling wide receiver again, even though it's not a weakness at all for the Buccaneers. They have talent and depth out the wazoo that we're going to be watching uh, come July and August. No doubt. And, and again, you're going to have to bring something to the table when it comes to this football team, as far as crowded room, like you walk into that wide receiver room and you're going to have to figure out where you can sit because there is the five guys who are locked in from Miller, Johnson, Godwin, Evans to Brown. Those guys have a seat. Well, you got to play musical chairs for the other seats left in that room, whether it be Watson and Darden and other guys that are still on this roster that are going to have to find their way into that, into that room. But come Sundays, it's all about what can you do for us and help us win. And the, and the Bucks made an emphasis on special teams with the latter picks of the draft. Now let's move on to the next pick who could probably be a special teams guy. And he's a guy that I think fits very well in a Todd Bowles defense. And that is KJ Britt, a linebacker out of Auburn and watching some of his tape and hearing, you know, some of the takes on this guy. He's a guy who's versatile, who's almost like a linebacker safety hybrid who can really move around, flies to the football. And that reminds me of, you know, guys like Deion Buchanan and even a Kevin Minter who were brought in as far as depth goes at linebacker behind Levante David and Devin White. Uh, And he also has an interesting connection to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a distant relative of former Buccaneer linebacker Quan Alexander. When you're picking linebackers out of the SEC that late in the draft, I'm going to love that pick every single time. Yeah, and, and like as I mentioned earlier, as far as Darden's concerned, you're talking about a guy in Brent who played all four seasons in SEC action, so we've seen enough football. And when you talk about him in particular, you mentioned Deion Buchanan. Deion was 220 pounds soaking wet with wet sweats on. That was it. Britt's six feet tall. He's 240 pounds. He may be able to play kind of a rover or linebacker safety position, but he brings a whole lot more thumping than than Dion did at 220. Again, he's six six feet tall, 240 pounds. It's a whole lot more muscle behind what he brings. But also the versatility he's able to do at that 240 pounds and play safety, that could mean a lot. And again, the special teams, man. These kids are going to, and I call them kids, but yet I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they went for guys who played all four seasons in college. Call them kids, because they're, young, they're young, certainly younger than me, but they're going to have an opportunity to play on Sundays, special teams. That's the emphasis that was made in the latter part of the draft. We've gone through the first five picks of the draft. The Bucks did not have a pick in the sixth round, but then they had two picks late in the seventh round. And the first pick in the seventh round, they took corner out of BYU, Chris Wilcox. And this is a guy who was injured in college quite a bit, but he's a 6'2 corner 
with sub 4-4 speed. And when you're talking about picking guys late in the draft, if you have those kind of measurables, I said it in talking about Ojolari, the Bucks were in a position where they could take risks on guys that possibly uh, have injury concerns. A big corner with that kind of speed in today's NFL, if this guy can develop, I'm all for that as well. I love that pick from the Buccaneers. And we've seen BYU kind of rising through the ranks and somewhat returning to the power that they they were uh, earlier in college football now that they're back being an independent. They're recruiting uh, a lot better. I mean, they had the number two overall pick in this year's NFL draft. I, I love the pick of Wilcox coming to the Buccaneers because – a seventh round pick, you always you don't even know if these guys are going to end up making your roster. So if you're taking a guy that could possibly, you know, one day end up being a starter, that is a huge win. So I'm all for taking a risk like that uh, late if I'm the Bucks. Certainly worth worth the risk. When it comes to playing corner in this league, too, you can look on teams' rosters up and down. And I'm not saying Wilcox is going to be a starter in this league. We're talking about a guy who who had 26 starts in college. But again, played all four seasons, so he's got a lot of experience playing college football. But when it comes to a guy that's 6'2", 195, and runs that 4-3, what you want him to do on your football team is be a gunner on this team. Be a special teams guy on this team. Chris Wilcox, can you tackle? Yes, sir. Good. You're going to play special teams for us. And that's what you want. That's exactly how these guys are going to contribute come 2021 this season. And because of that, again, I said there's a lot of guys, as far as corners are concerned, that were late picks in the NFL draft. But I'm not expecting Chris Wilcox to start on this football team anytime soon. Think about how young this secondary is. It's Mm -hmm. a young secondary. But what he can do is he can pick Jamal Dean's brain. He can pick Sean Murphy Bunting's brain, Antonio Winfield. All those guys that are in that Defensive backfield inside that room. He can pick their brains to get better in the sleep. But initially, 6'2", 195", 4'3", dude, you're my gunner. And when you're a seventh-round pick, that's how you're going to have to – that's where you're going to make the team is on special teams. And that's probably where Mr. Irrelevant for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they picked last in this year's NFL draft, and they took outside linebacker, edge rusher Grant Stewart – from the University of Houston. And I don't know, maybe is this the only NFL team right now with two Mr. Irrelevance on the roster? Maybe he can learn something from uh, former Mr. Irrelevant Ryan Suckup, who has ended the Bucks kicker curse. As always, when you're talking about, we mentioned it with Wilcox, he's going to have to, you know, find a way to, to, make, this, to make this team as a special teams contributor. Uh, that's how you're going to make the team when you're that late of a pick. But from you know what we've seen so far in media interviews and things like that this guy's a little bit of a character he brings a a big personality to this locker room as well so and I think when you're talking about that a guy that can really you know get into the locker room and be be a locker room favorite that can only help you when possibly making the team or being one of those guys that sticks around on a practice squad not going to say he's he's taking JPP or even Anthony Nelson or Joe, Joe Tryon's job, but, you know, the Bucks like what they saw, and this is a guy that they think can contribute in some way to a Super Bowl-winning football team. The last two picks as far as the linebackers are concerned, we talked about Britt and Stewart. Now, the thing I like about them, 
Again, Stewart's another guy who played all four seasons at Houston, but these guys want to hit. And those guys want to, they contributed early in their college careers on special teams, that being Brett and that being Stewart. Brett was talking about it in his press conference with the media in regards to, well, if you got the football, I'm going to hit you. That's it. I mean, as a football, as a football coach, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear, I want to hear plays that play defense or special teams. Doesn't matter what I do. I just want to hit the guy with the ball. Okay, good. It's kind of like, remember the Titans. Yep. Uh, coach Boone, I'm just here because, hey, I heard we had a football team and I, I just want to you know, figure out to come out and hit some people. Perfect. Good. Good. Sign that kid up. You'll never be wrong with a guy like that because that guy's going to give you 110 all the time. And when it comes to Stewart, he's that type of guy that's going to give you that soul brick. Those guys want to hit people. Um, and when it comes to playing special teams, you'll get your chance to do exactly that. That's your chance. That's when you're a late round pick that I keep mentioning it. That's how you're going to make the team. Uh, some of the Bucks undrafted free agents as well. They brought in a West Virginia wide receiver, TJ Simmons, uh, Jose Barrett, Barrett, Boraligus, if I can speak correctly right there, uh, he's a uh, kicker from the University of Miami with Suckup. This is a guy who's just going to be an extra leg in in camp, in my opinion. And if, you know, unfortunately you have an injury uh, from Navy, from the Naval Academy, Cameron Kinley, a cornerback, uh, Florida A&M offensive lineman, Calvin Ashley. That's a guy you just want, I keep mentioning measurables, six foot seven, 315 pounds, a big offensive lineman there. Iowa State safety, Lawrence White, uh, Cincinnati D lineman, Elijah Ponder, Leighton McCarthy, another guy from Florida, Florida Atlantic there, South Carolina guard, Sidarius Hutcherson, and Stony Brook safety, Augie Contressa. Those are your undrafted free agents for the Buccaneers. Nothing, you know, super sexy. They weren't among the guys that you would probably circle as, you know, these were the guys that deserved to be drafted that ended up going undrafted. But when we, you know, broke down every pick, how will you look back? How or how do you look back right now at the Buccaneers draft in 2021? Obviously, we're not going to be able to give a full grade on this draft for a few years at least. But Jason Light has had a lot of success in uh, in recent years when it comes to drafting guys. Do you have the same feeling? coming out of the 2021 draft as we have in, in recent memory. I do, but remember recent memory, you, there were guys you took because there was that N word, that N word that begins with N and ends with D you had need, you had a need in certain places. Um, I would tell you that this draft is a little more intriguing for me. We talked about Kyle Trask, but also from, a Joe Tryon standpoint of here's a guy that in a year, two or three, there's talk that he can be a double digit sack guy. Just think about that because yep. when you and I first started working together, 2016, this team's struggling to find that double digit sack guy. Didn't have him. We're bringing on guys, Noah Spence, hoping that he'd break the, you know, the drought and other guys, Vincent Cur- uh, Curry and all the guys just hoping Robert Ayers. Break- Robert Ayers, you know, 
hoping, hoping those guys would break the drought. Well, now you've got a guy that's going to be able to sit for a couple of years in Joe Tryon, who Bruce Arians already says that he has the tools in his toolbox that make him good. Position flexibility can play along the defensive line, and he's not even in your building yet with your veterans who are two-time Super Bowl champion and Jason Pierre-Paul, two-time Super Bowl champion and Shaq Barrett, and the rest of the guys that are veterans that are, that are again, part of a Super Bowl-winning football team. So I'm curious to see how Joe Tryon ends up being a part of this defense moving forward come 2022 and 2023. I know the quarterback thing is definitely sexier, but as Jason Lights already stated, um, <laughs> Tom's playing as long as Tom wants to play. But the thing about trying that has me intriguing that is that here's a guy that coaches already said, he's got the tools. We just got to figure out how he's going to use the tools. And Joe has actually compared himself, and this is certainly, you know, when he's asked about this, this isn't him, you know, wearing this. This is him being asked a question, but he compares his, uh, you know, his size and his skill set to Chandler Jones. Boy, if the Bucks get him to play like Chandler Jones, <laughs> to add to that young defense, yeah. the secondary and the linebackers moving forward to 2022 and 2023, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's definitely hard to look at this draft, as you mentioned, in the same way that we've looked at drafts in recent memory, because the Bucks were drafting guys to be starters. There's not a single guy that they drafted in 2021 that is going to be looked upon to be a starter this year, in my opinion. Barring, barring injury, none of these guys are going to go in to week one and this year and, and be a starter. So I think taking guys with huge upside, and that was the biggest, that was, that's a buzzword a lot of times around the NFL draft, but try on, that's, that's one of the things mentioned with him. And when you're the Bucks and you don't have that N-word, that need, or the need for that S-word, for a starter even, you're going to want to take guys with a huge upside. And other than Tryon, yes, the Trask thing is, is a sexy thing as well because there's an interesting dichotomy here as far as the Bucks have re-signed Ryan Griffin to be on this football team, but Blaine Gabbert is still unsigned. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times tweeted out even after the Buccaneers drafted Kyle Trask that he he expects Blaine Gabbert to be on this Buccaneers football team in 2021 that he thinks the Bucs will resign them in my opinion I, I mentioned this a lot when I talk about Jordan Love if you really think that this guy within two years possibly is going to be able to step in and be your starting quarterback I think that the best thing for him if you're that high on him is for him to be the backup right now and you already have Griffin on the roster. I don't necessarily think that the Bucs do bring back Blaine Gabbard. I, I would rather see Trask be that guy and have that responsibility of being the backup already. I, I would like to see it. And if you're that high on that guy, you should have that confidence in him. We talk about quarterbacks all the time about the fact that the perfect world, perfect situation, Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation. Have it work out like that, where a guy sits for a year, you've got a quality quarterback that takes you to the playoffs, and when you're 
future quarterback, franchise quarterbacks ready, they sit a year, you put them in there. You're talking about having Kyle Trask be the number two on this team behind, and God bless TV 12. God bless what he's able to do with his age. But there's still a big risk about having a guy who is 45 years old taking snaps for you on Sundays, especially now that you're playing 17 games. You at least want to have somebody that has some professional experience playing in NFL games. And Ryan Griffin does as much as I like RG4. Shout out to him. Did an interview with him. YouTube, check it out. Len Montez, Google me. But as much as I like Ryan Griffin, he's got limited experience when it comes to playing NFL games too. I mean, we, we, made, we made a big deal about it when he actually got a snap in an actual game. But you want to go into the 2021 season with a kid entitled Kyle Trask. I call him kid only because in NFL standards, he's a kid. He's got, he certainly played enough at, at Gainesville, but you're talking about him never taking a snap. And all of a sudden you want him to be the guy that's going to play if something happens to 12. No. So here's, no. here's my thing. If you're taking a guy with, you're, if you're taking a guy with the second with your second round pick and a guy that you considered taking in the first round, he should be better than Blaine Gabbard is right now, in my opinion. And if Tom Brady, if Tom Brady he, goes, he, may, he he doesn't have to be better now. You have to have a guy that has experience. You may expect him to be better. The ceiling may be that he'll be better than Blaine or Fitzpatrick or whatever great backup that may have been here. But you're not expecting him to be ready to play. That's the difference. I, he may be better skill set wise. He may be better career wise. But he's not ready to start his career yet. If you're dra- if you're drafting a guy in the fourth, fifth round, I understand him being him not being active during his rookie season. This is my biggest. I keep mentioning about Jordan Love. If you don't think a guy is good enough to be active if your starting quarterback goes down as a rookie if you're drafting him that high if you have that high high hopes for him then i don't think that you legitimately have as high hopes no, for him that's, as, that's, that's as not true pat mahomes was true. alex smith's backup as a rookie he was active okay but guys are, guys are at different levels you're talking about you're talking about jordan love you're talking about they're at different levels and maybe mahomes was the backup for alex smith and maybe he was one play away from playing his rookie season, but he was ready to do that. You don't know that Kyle Trask is ready to do that. This is, it's May. It is May. The kid hasn't even been in your freaking facility with his uniform on yet, and you want to make him the backup. No, that's not how it goes in the NFL. You have to get yourself a qualified backup that's ready. Got, again, not wishing this on anybody. But if your starting quarterback gets hurt, you want to start a rookie that's never taken a snap before. That's not how it works, Trey. How, no. Where are the Bucks going with Blaine Gabbard as their quarterback? He's a starter in this league. Like he's, he he has starting ability in this league. Like he's you still think he's a starter? He has in this started league? games. He has started games in this okay. league. He has a he. Ha, you know what? He has enough to win games on Sundays on a team that's as good as this team is. Kyle Trask should do it. 
If you if you thought about taking Kyle Trask at 32, he should you too. You don't know that. You don't know that. I know that Blaine can go out there and win games on Sunday behind this offensive line and with those receivers. You don't know that about Kyle Trask. If you're Why drafting you a that guy that, that high. Anyway? No. Why would you do that to him anyway? That's, that's, you, you're, you're studying his growth. It's May, and you, wanna, and, you want, and you want to put him out there without even, without even putting him in his uniform on yet. I'm not saying, decided what, he barely I'm not decided saying, what uniform he was going to wear. He is, number two. Number two, it's out there. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm not saying that he should be the starter instead of Tom Brady. I'm saying that he should be the – and you have another quarterback on your roster still, and Ryan Griffin. One, and, he, and you know what? Like I said, shout out RG4. But – we made a big deal about RG4 getting real snaps. No, no, no. I know. I, Lynn, when you when you and I were were on the air and I was I was answering phones every day for for other shows and people called and they when all the Jameis controversy was going and they're like, oh, maybe let's give RG4 a shot. Ryan Griffin, maybe he should be the starting quarterback of the Buccaneers. Everybody knows who's ever listened to me talk about the Buccaneers knows how I felt about Jameis Winston. I would call those people crazy still. And okay. but but here's here's the thing though. Ryan Griffin wasn't a second round pick, man. Ryan Griffin It doesn't matter. You're talking hey, you're talking about a team that went to the Super Bowl last year that has everything in place to to make another run at another Super Bowl. And if again, if something were to happen to your starting quarterback, you want to be able to say, okay, dude, all we need you to do, Blaine, is to be you. But you want to say, okay, Kyle, all we want you to do is to be you. And Kyle's like, well, what am I in this league? I don't know yet. Be me. What does that mean? Blaine knows who he is. Kyle Trask doesn't know who he is yet. Look at the, look at the situations and how, and how they've played out in the past in New England. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Look Look at Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, These were guys, okay. young guys that were drafted. And how in long were those backup. guys? And how and how long were those guys in the facility before they were ta- they were asked to do things? Come on, man! I believe Garoppolo. I'm pretty sure Garoppolo was his backup, was active as a rookie. Oh, okay. Even if he was, again, that doesn't matter. You again dealing with a 45 year old quarterback. 45. And you want to say, I mean, we talked, we debated about whether or not, you just asked me less than an hour ago whether or not Trask can be a star in this league. And now you want him to take over if Tom gets hurt, a Super Bowl winning team? No, you take Blaine Gabbitt. You know what Blaine Gabbitt is. You know what he is in this league. We don't know what Kyle Trask is in this league. If you think Kyle Trask is, is, good enough to be possibly your starting quarterback even within one year even within one year if the bucks won and tom brady hung it up why would you put that on that kid why would you put that on why would you do that there's a reason why there's a reason there's a reason why there's a reason why coaches and gms get stop gaps get those quarterbacks that give them that stop gap there's a reason why Andy Dalton's going to take snaps on Sundays in Chicago, at least initially. Why would you? I'm not so sure okay. about that. But okay, that's that's fine. because that's because of the the situation that that Chicago's in. And, it doesn't and, matter. And those okay. guys need you know, to save their okay. jobs. 
Tony Romo got hurt in Dallas, right? Yep. Dak Prescott took over. That's an anomaly. That doesn't always happen. The fact that Dak was as productive as he was says more about Dak than anything else. He was ready. He was ready to play. And that guy was a fourth round pick. And I'm not even here to tell you that Kyle Trask isn't ready. What I'm telling you is, is you have a team that won a Super Bowl last year and is probably looking to go back to it. And you'd win a whole lot more games and be in better situation if you had a veteran in Blaine Gabbitt who knows who he is in this league, who they know who he is in this league. When I say they, I mean the coaching staff. And they're able to put him out there. They don't know what Kyle Trask is in this league. So you're not going to just move forward 2021 with him as your backup. If you think, if you think right now, a one game situation, a one game situation is different. If Tom Brady, you know, ended up going down for, for just one game and you needed a guy, maybe, maybe Gabber is the guy that you trust more. But if you think right now, today, even without seeing, without seeing Kyle Trask in the facility, if you think in 2021, that your team would be better with Blaine Gabbert as your starting quarterback over Kyle Trask. If the Bucks brass think that, then they shouldn't have taken Kyle Trask when they took Kyle Trask. Negative. Negative. They're not playing. They're not playing planning to play him. We just talked about that. I know. But I we think just that talked about that. they're if not you're planning that confident, to play him. If you're that no, confident, they don't have to be. Guy, they don't have to be. They're not planning to play him. Then you shouldn't have took him. Negative. Why wouldn't you take him? He's he's top on your board. Why wouldn't you take him? Because you say not to take him. If he's that if he's, if he's, he's that high on your board, board, you should be willing to play him. He should be better than a guy who has proven that he is not he a may starter be. in this league. He may be, but they don't know that yet, which is why you bring back Blaine Gavin. And who knows? Maybe at the end of the preseason, maybe end of the season. Maybe they decide we don't need four quarterbacks. Hey, Blaine, you know what? Your skill set, we know what you are. Kyle's ascending. He's moving up. We don't need you. We know we're comfortable with this guy being our guy if our starter gets hurt. But they're not there yet. So that's why Blaine Gabbitt will probably be brought back. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. If we go into camp, and it's actually viewed as a competition to be the backup quarterback between, let me finish, let me finish, Lynn Martez. I don't need you to give me anything. If, if Blaine Gabbert, if Blaine Gabbert goes into camp and beats out Kyle Trask in a competition to be the backup quarterback, then I don't think Kyle Trask is the air. He's got a leg up. He has a leg up. You're talking about this guy going into his first camp. Do you remember the first time you did something? Okay, yeah. changing diapers. Do you remember the first time you changed the diaper? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I texted you. I put one on backwards. Exactly. But- okay. <laughs> okay. So Blake, so you're you're talking about Kyle Trask changing diapers for the first time. Okay. You remember how it was hard for you? It's gonna be hard for Kyle. Trask that was my first his- time changing a diaper. Period. Kyle Trask just started for. Starting back in the SEC. Come on, man. NFL. It's changing. Everything changes when you move up to the next level. 
here's my thing. If you that's go the in, obvious thing. If you it's go different. If you go in the if you go in this year and you're that much more com- they're going to be viewed differently as well. You're grading Kyle Trask on a curve, and if you look at and if you look at Blaine Gabbert and you think he's better than Kyle Trask right now, I don't think that Kyle Trask ends up being the quarterback of the future for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's just my opinion. And you We've, know what? He may, and you know what? Trey, you might be right. He may not be. There may be a time where years down the road, when Tom decides Tom doesn't want to play anymore, that they bring someone else in to compete with Kyle Trask, and that quarterback is better and beats him out. That might be the case. We might find out that Kyle Trask is a career journeyman. He might be in this league for years, but he's Josh McCown. He's not going to be a guy that's going to lead you to winning playoff games. Okay, we may find that out. But A, we're not there yet. And B, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, because that's the case, that you give up on it now and say, well, if he's not backing up the quarterback now, then he's never going to back your quarterback up. No. Just my opinion. If you're if you're going to be the heir apparent, you should be ready to be active as a rookie. Okay, okay, tough guy. Then you better tell Green Bay that because exactly that's why I don't think that he's going to be. Oh, he is. He is? Oh, you talking about? Are you talking about Love or Trask? Oh, I'm talking about Love. And oh, the love fact that love, love, Love's the guy now. But oh, I told you. But I told you they already tried to trade Love this offseason. Uh, and and again, I and I told do. Why would I trade for that guy when he hasn't even played in this league yet and hasn't shown me that he can be a starter on my team? You need a quarterback and you want to give me your quarterback? I mean, that doesn't, as far as a team that would acquire him, that doesn't make sense. Why would a GM trade for a quarterback when you need a quarterback and you're not playing that guy. I mean, if you just if if you like it, if you like his upside, I mean, we're, you can talk about the you can talk about the same thing in the Darnold trade or Darnold. You've seen play, so it's a little bit different. Exactly. Yeah. Or even the or even the Josh Rosen situation when they traded him to the Dolphins after his first year. A little bit different. Miami needed a quarterback. They needed a quarterback. I'm, but that's what that's what I'm saying when you're talking and about they, and and they had one in place that was a stopgap in Ryan Fitzpatrick. But when you're talking, you were talking about the Packers, one of the teams that was mentioned in, po- in possibly trading for him was the Denver Broncos before the Denver Broncos t- traded for Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Drew Locke. So it is what it is. We have different quarterback or different opinions on young quarterbacks, but we've seen it more and more in today's NFL, young quarterbacks having immediate success. So where are we, where are we at? Because Come camp, we're going to be t- having these conversations. Yeah. Okay. So when camp breaks and Blaine Gabbitt is the number two, I don't want to rehash this because, again, no, my opinion will guy- change. Okay. Your, but your opinion, I mean, you're, that, you're that, also- that's why I'm saying we won't need to rehash okay, this. I'll just say because- that I don't think, I don't think Trask is going to eventually be the heir apparent to Tom Brady because See, he all you had to do, Blaine Gabbard. all you had to do was say that. And that would have been the end of the conversation. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't say concrete. He's going to be the heir apparent. Cause I don't know. Cause, because again, offensively wise, the offense is built for his skill set, but that doesn't mean it's going to automatically Translate into the NFL. 
mean, it, it just doesn't. Because you mentioned whether it be the arm strength or the mobility, or whatever it is. I mean, there may be something that holds him back. I get that. I understand that as far as him being the starter of the year apparent. Because, I mean, that is a lot to put on a guy, too. You know, we're going to walk around yeah. here and say, hey, the GOAT's here in Tampa Bay. Well, the GOAT eventually is going to walk away. And all of a sudden, you got to be the guy that replaces the GOAT. I mean, this isn't, this oh, isn't yeah, Steve yeah. This isn't a lot of Steve pressure. Young taking over. Yeah, this isn't Steve Young taking over for Joe Montana. Steve Young was the number one pick in the draft, and he was a Heisman Trophy winner, and he was a badass. Yeah. Okay, so Steve Young just needed an opportunity to play and was waiting for Joe to retire and eventually won his Super Bowl. But if you remember that Super Bowl, they jokingly on the sidelines, what did they do? Pull the monkey off his back because there's a lot of pressure that goes into replacing a guy like Tom Brady. So, it's even a different situation when talking about uh... – Luck and Peyton Manning and Indy, even though there was a ton of pressure on Luck because when they took him, they kind of forced Peyton out of town as well. And then Peyton goes and wins a Super Bowl in Denver. So that situation, that's the only situation you compare it to. But Kyle Trask was taken the last pick in the second round, whereas Andrew Luck was taken with the first pick of the first round and was definitely ready to step in and start as a rookie. And you knew that whatever happened that year, you were, going, you were going to deal with it. For instance, if he threw 30 interceptions, which he didn't, but he, had, he threw a lot. They made the playoffs. I mean, yeah. you, were going to, you were going to do whatever happened. The same thing when Peyton first started in 99. And right? he threw you a ton of interceptions, to, yeah. He led the league in interceptions. But that's what the, you knew that. You signed off on that once you started, once you played him. That's what you did. So, but my thing is, is that in the most most important position in football, if not in sports, and say, okay, now you're going to lead this Super Bowl winning team. That's why I say you bring back Blaine Gabbard. To me, if the Bucs do bring back Gabbard, I just, I just think it says something about a lack of confidence in Trask. And if you are that confident in him, you have him active. He's your backup going forward in 2021. We've Spent a ton of time talking about the Bucks and draft and picks and stuff here today. Trey Downey and Lynn Martez, Downey and Martez on the Bucks Nation podcast here on SB Nation. But Lynn, let's take a hey, how do I follow you? How do you follow me on Twitter? On Twitter, yeah. oh, you follow me at TD Experience. How do I follow you, Lynn? At Elmart810. Yes, and you follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore nation. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, just search Bucks Nation on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. It helps us a lot. There's algorithms and stuff involved, stuff that I don't know a ton about. But yes, that. But now then let's talk about the rest of the draft. And were there any, you know, individual picks or what teams did as a whole that either really impressed you or teams that you were kind of like, yeah, they didn't have a good 2021 NFL draft, either or. There were a, a few teams that really did well in my eyes based off of what we know from Thursday to Saturday. Mm -hmm. San, uh, LA being one of them, almost called them San Diego. LA being one of them. Getting Chargers. protection for, yeah, LA Chargers yes. being one of them. For because the Rams didn't pick until, until Saturday. They were having fun but in yeah, that draft house, though. Oh, I mean, how can you not? I mean, it's yeah. LA. But as far as the 
charges are concerned, you get more protection for your franchise quarterback and, and Slater, an offensive tackle, a guy that, you know, some thought might get into the top 10. He slid down to 13, but kudos to them because, you know, a couple of years ago, this is the team that was in the playoffs that went to Baltimore and was going toe-to-toe with the Ravens in a playoff game. So LA has the charges, has the pieces, and now they have the franchise quarterback, and now they have an offensive lineman that's going to protect them uh, even more. We talked about it on Thursday night when we were going through the first 10, 15 picks of the draft, and just so happened that the guy that supposedly doesn't trade back in the Giants' Dave Gettleman because of the urban myth, well, he did it not once, but twice. And kudos to him because he traded back gets a couple more picks. 2022, they have two first-round picks, two threes, and they got quality in the draft in itself. So, uh, again, another team that did well was the Giants. I don't think that the Jets had a bad draft. No. We can talk about, we can talk about you know, the stopgap, but they're not going stopgap. No. It's going to be Zach Wilson. But what they did – and what they didn't do for Sam Donald is they've got protection around Wilson from the offensive line and the weapons that they have in, in uh, the Jets. So, I mean, those are just a couple of teams that, that, I did, that I think did well. I mean, you've got teams that drafted 31, 30, 29. I mean, Baltimore, the Ravens did more prior to the draft to make their team better. Um, but so did KC. KC, we watched Offensive them, line, man. Yeah, we Big watched moves. them struggle to, to block Todd Bowles' defense and their front seven. And that's all they did as far as the draft's concerned and prior to the draft to get in Orlando Brown from, from Baltimore. So you know, there's teams that did some work. And it's, as much as uh, you know, we like what's going on in Tampa Bay, there's a, there's a few teams that, that, that made their teams better Thursday through Saturday. And what's interesting, though, so far about this this NFL offseason is what the AFC looks like versus what the NFC looks like where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. And that's where I'm going to go with one of the teams that I saw that I thought did super well in the NFL draft and a team that I didn't expect to say. Now, if you look at the AFC, I think there are at least a handful of teams that you think are probably locks to make the NFL playoffs. Kansas City Chiefs, number one. I think that the Bills, again, probably probably a, a lock to make the playoffs. Some might even some might even throw throw Baltimore and Pittsburgh in there in there as well. The Browns, a lot of teams uh, in the AFC that you think are either locks or that are very close to making the playoffs. If you look at the NFC, what NFC teams do you really consider locks to make the playoffs in 2020 2021 right now. you consider washington a lock they won a division but what was their record you asked me no 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 no, no. i I'm, I'm just surprised that you say that because to me like i like washington's i like where washington is bringing in ryan fitzpatrick i think that's an upgrade quarterback there for them i like the you know the other additions that they made to that football team and based on what the division looks like i like i like washington i that that's a team that i wouldn't be surprised but i wouldn't consider them a lock 
because I also like what the New York Giants have done this offseason and putting and putting weapons around Daniel Jones. And I think that I think that they are to me, I'm still not a huge believer in Dallas. So to me, I think that that division, the two teams that I would consider teams that I would pick to win that division right now would either be Washington or New York. I'd probably lean okay, Washington. I don't disagree, but think about this. When I said Washington, they get to play Dallas twice and they get to yeah. play Philadelphia twice. So that I mean, at, at, the, at, the very, at the very least, they're going to go three and one. And then they play the Giants twice. And until Daniel Jones shows me a game like he had here at Raymond James three years ago when they came here in his first NFL start, and he, in my opinion, played his best game as yeah. a pro. Yeah. Until he does that again, don't tell me about Daniel Jones. I don't care what weapons he has around him. So let, let me put it, let me more phrase it this way. Instead of, instead of considering it locks, I'll say, what teams would you be really surprised at if they were to miss the playoffs in 2021 in the NFC? And I think they're only, in my opinion, there are only two teams that I would be very surprised if they missed the playoffs. And that's the Bucks. And that's the other team in, in L.A., not the Chargers, but the Rams. And that's because of uncertainty around other situations. We don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay. If, if they fix that situation with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers goes in as their starting quarterback, I throw them in that, in that bag as well. And possibly, and possibly even Seattle because I, those are teams possibly right there. But when you talk, I think the NFC is a lot more wide open in terms of getting into the playoffs than what the AFC is. And one of the teams that if you ask me before this weekend of a team that I expect to probably take a significant step back in 2021 would be the Chicago bears. And when I, even though they were to make the, they made the playoffs last year, it's even though they didn't do anything against the, against the new Orleans saints, but the bears wouldn't be a team that I was circling would be a playoff team in 2021. And even though they made the playoffs last year, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are in a position where they are coaching and they are making decisions for their jobs. When I initially saw the trade where they moved up with the Giants to that 11th overall pick and they gave up a future first rounder and all of that, I'm like, wow, they gave up a lot here, right here. Justin Fields, I think he's better than Mac Jones. Do I, I, him and Lance are you know, right there with me. I don't think he's number one or number two, but I do think that even right now, I think Justin Fields is a better situation at quarterback than what the Bears have had in the recent past when they were making the playoffs with guys like Mitchell Trubisky. I think right now today, Justin Fields gives the Bears a better chance to win than what Mitchell Trubisky did. And then you look at what they did in the rest of the draft getting uh, at the top of the second round, getting an offensive lineman from Oklahoma State, who a lot of people thought uh, could be a first-round pick, and Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about getting skill players to surround Justin Fields with. Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, who I, I watched a ton of Virginia Tech football. That is the most dynamic skill player they have had in a very, very long time. And you talk about running backs – that were drafted in the latter rounds and the way that they've been able to perform recently. Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, just one of them. This is a guy who's a sixth round pick who I can, who I believe can come in and contribute uh, not just in the backfield, but 
you know, possibly on special teams and things like that automatically. I think that that was a great pick. And also another sixth round pick, Daz Newsome, wide receiver out of North Carolina. This wide receiver class was extremely, extremely deep. And I love where uh, Bateman ended up going. Rashad Bateman, who I love, ended up going to uh, Baltimore and being a, who's going to be a great weapon there for Lamar Jackson. But Daz Newsome, a guy at North Carolina, who I really have high hopes for, was one of Sam Howell's biggest weapons. I love what the Bears did, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, because I said that Nagy and Pace are coaching and making decisions for their jobs. But I personally think, say the Bears have the same exact season that they had last year where they squeak into the playoffs, but the offense looks stagnant. It doesn't look like things are going in the right direction on that side of the ball. I still think Nagy's out of there. Because they brought him in to – he came from that Andy Reid coaching tree. Uh, they have a ton of good good weapons and great players on that defense, but they needed somebody to come in and refresh that offense. And you're moving on from Trubisky to a different quarterback, whether Justin Fields starts from day one or whether that's Andy Dalton. I think at some point this season, Justin Fields steps on that uh, – steps onto the field as a starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears – I think if that, as long as that offense is moving in that right direction, it buys Nagy another year. And I think looking at where the NFC North is right now, I think Detroit, as I mentioned during the live draft show, is a candidate to have the number one overall pick in 2022. Minnesota, they've been up and down over the past couple of years, and we don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I think that the Bears have put themselves in position to possibly be a surprise team in 2021 that makes the playoffs again and has a much more exciting offense which is what that team needs and what Nagy needs to keep his job was that your bombshell of a take because oh no 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 I have a I have a different okay I have a well I, have more I can tell you right now that take is not one that a lot of people have when it comes to the Chicago Bears 2021 those those people are playing well of coaching and working for their jobs in 2021, that being Pace and Matt Nagy. But the only way they keep their jobs is this, if this team does what you mentioned that they potentially could do. But I don't know that I'm not as positive as you are as far as the pieces are concerned when it comes to Chicago's concern. I don't know that the line's very good. And to say that Justin Fields is going to stop on that team and all of a sudden they're going to make a run. The NFC North may be wide open with what's going on in green Bay. And certainly Detroit is Detroit, although they did get Penny Sewell, but we'll see how Jared Goff, you know, goes into Detroit and plays there. But when it comes to the NFC North, the only reason why, the Bears will be successful in 2021. It's kind of similar to what the Washington football team has on their side in the NFC East. Those are two bad divisions if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in 2021. Think about it. You think about, if you think about the NFC North, who's the best quarterback if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in, a, in 2021? Kirk Cousins who's who's the middle of the pack 
when it comes to NFL starting quarterbacks. I'll say, I'll say he's this not in the top 10. He barely, if he does, you could be Kirk Cousins' best cousin, pardon the pun, and he would barely get in your top 15 when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm not ready to say that they're as bad as the, as the NFC East because I think if, I think if you add Minnesota to the NFC East, I think I'd probably pick them to win that division. I would. I picked the, I picked the, picked the Washington football team. That Washington football team added pieces into the draft. No, and that did. defense? Oh, oh, yeah. That defense. That defense is nasty. Minnesota's defense is across still there. Across that front line, you got, you got some heavy, heavy checks. And when I say that, I mean first-round guys who are not just first-round guys, but are productive first-round guys. Yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota, though, to me, I, I just think that they're a little bit better football team than Washington right now. But I, I do think that I love what Chicago did in the draft. But I told you, I did have a bit of a bombshell take as far as a singular pick, and it wasn't even a pick. And it was an undrafted free agent. And not just the fact that this player went undrafted, it's where they ended up going that I personally think that they have a chance to start in 2021 and it's a quarterback. I think an undrafted rookie quarterback has a chance to start in 2021. Spit it out. In Philadelphia. Jamie Newman, who oh, no. played a lot played a lot of his oh, college no. football at Wake Forest, transferred to Georgia, but then ended up opting out. Watching this kid play, I'll admit it, watching Jalen Hurts throughout all of his college football career, even when he had his great year with Oklahoma, never really considered him that he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Still not very high on Jalen Hurts, even though he performed in spurts last year for Philadelphia. I think Jamie Newman is as good or better than Jalen Hurts right now today, and I think that he has a chance to, if it truly is a competition, like Nick Sirianni has said it's going to be in Philadelphia, and Mm -hmm. Jamie Newman has a shot at that starting job, I think he can beat out Hurts for it. Okay. You may not be high on uh, Jalen Hurts. You know who is? The man who signs the checks, Jeffrey Lurie. He is high on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. You also <laughs> said Carson Wentz wouldn't be traded. And that's who? Who said that? You did, Lynn Martez. I said that because of the cap hit. Once that, uh, once that was alleviated, um, yeah, they swallowed it. But that's besides the point. That's besides the point. Don't, Part of the reason why they swallowed it, I'm let's sure, not get, is let's, how much let's not is get, how much glory. Let's not let you know, the I'm truth. Giving, let's not let the truth get away with a good story. <laughs> well, I'm giving you credit to your to your story. Part of the reason why they swallowed that that cat pit is because of uh Lori liking Jalen Hurts. I just I do think that I think that I think that Newman could do it. And I think that if you're in a spot where you know, you're, it's not like Jalen Hurts has a ton of tape. He's, he hasn't been in the league for a long time. So if Newman can surprise people, which I think he can, and I think he, I personally think that Newman is as good as your second group of quarterbacks that were taken in this draft, talking about Trask, talking about uh, Davis Mills and talking about Kellen Mond, who went, you know, right there at a, in a stretch at the end of the second and uh, early third round. I think that you can group Newman right in with those guys I don't know if it's because he's 24 years old that he went undrafted I'm completely shocked that Ian Book got drafted and Jamie Newman didn't 
Uh, this was a guy who a lot of people thought when he transferred to Georgia, had he played at Georgia and played like a lot of people thought he could, could possibly be a first round pick. I'm very high on Jamie Newman. And okay. I think that if he's given the opportunity, he has to be given the opportunity okay, well, to beat out Jalen Hurts. That's going to happen. I think two things, can. two things. One, he's not going to get the opportunity because Jeffrey Lurie likes Jalen Hurts. Number two is let's not forget. I did say that Carson Wentz will not get traded because of the capping. But as you mentioned, as you mentioned, Lori signed off on taking mm -hmm. that capping. But also, after Peterson was fired, they went to Carson Wentz and said, okay, now let's go. And Carson Wentz like, no, I want out of here. So they had to, they had no choice in trading Carson Wentz. But do you think that it's sucking up that capping? But do you think that it's in interesting, though, that Sirianni still hasn't committed to Hurts as the starting quarterback moving forward, even after moving on from Wentz? Trading up and drafting Devontae Smith <laughs> was, a, yeah. was a subliminal message. <laughs> that was a subliminal message when it came to their commitment to Jalen Hurts, which is another reason why. And listen, it's certainly out there, and it's a surprising take, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like I said, he has to be, he has to be given the, the opportunity, first of all. And the Eagles also did bring in Can Joe Flacco. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? An undrafted? If were, if, an undrafted after you traded away a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. Then you took a guy in the second round last year. And you drafted, you traded up and drafted one of his running mates at Tuscaloosa. And now you're going to let an undrafted free agent win your quarterback job? Oh, hell no. The Liberty Bell would crack completely. I told you it was an out there take, but I believe it. I'm, listen, I, like and I there, said, are pe there are people, who, co there are people cool. who cover the Eagles who look good believe it as well. Newman will look good. Yeah, but put that all together. If that would have happened. Be one of the craziest stories we've seen in the NFL ever. Not probably. to mention the fact that you're talking about it happening with the first-year coach. Yeah. He's playing rock, paper, scissors at the senior bowl in pro days. I wonder how Newman did in rock, paper, scissors. Well, if he won, then he's going to win the starting job. But that, that's not happening. I we'll see. We'll see what happens. I will, I will, you pick out your favorite stout IPA, and I'll buy you a six-pack. If Newman wins, not just no, not starts a game, wins the starting job over Hurts, who if he loses the job and doesn't get part of the pun, hurt. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. As I mentioned, they they signed Joe Flacco to to come in there as well so it's it's going to take something for for newman to even beat out a former super bowl winning quarterback as you signed they just signed joe flacco because he lives down the road in delaware he went to school in delaware and they wanted to make his commute shorter i guess he's not joe's come on man have you watched joe flacco play in the last couple of years in new yeah. york and in denver he, yeah. he's got no, i mean no. god bless god bless the run he had uh, when he got ready, uh, that one Ray of the best Lewis's playoff runs ever. Oh, one of the best playoff runs. He had a great, he had, he had a great run, and he and he certainly got his contract after that run. But 
he's not a starting quarterback in this league. I'm very high on Jamie Newman. Shocked he didn't didn't get drafted. But admittedly, I said it was an out there take. And if you want to look before he even went to Philadelphia uh, last week, I I tweeted out before the draft that I think that I thought Newman, if he ended up in the right situation, could eventually be a starting quarterback in the NFL. The only reason I think he can be that as a rookie is because of the situation that he's in. But he has to be given the opportunity first, which Len Martez doesn't think that he will. The, the reason why, the reason why he's not going to get the opportunity is because of the situation in Philadelphia, of all the things I already mentioned, yep. all the circumstances that I mentioned, whether it be drafting Wentz, trading Wentz, firing Peterson, taking Hurts in the second round, and then drafting his running buddy. Devontae Smith trading up and drafting his running buddy. And all of a sudden, you're going to start an undrafted free agent? Oh, like I said, dude, they will rip. They, you, you think they were tearing down light posts when they won the Super Bowl in Philadelphia, Center City? Oh, my God. How much does the city of Philadelphia actually like or believe in Jalen Hurts, though? Don't listen to Philadelphia talk radio every day, so I don't know. So we'll definitely have to see what happens. Once again, this is a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. Downey and Martez, I am Trey Downey. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Len Martez. He is the Martez half of this show on Twitter at LMart810. And follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation. We're in that sweet spot of the NFL offseason. We've been able to talk about the NFL draft last week during the draft. And then today to react to it as well. But next week, it's another sweet spot of the NFL offseason. And that is going to be the NFL schedule release. They're calling it their biggest season ever because it is because there's an extra game. And because we're talking about the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's going to be a ton to talk about. We're going to be able to talk about who the Bucs are playing on that Thursday opening night. Spoiler, I think it's going to be the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston. Uh, we're going to be able to talk about how many primetime games they end up with, a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, how much is the NFL going to give ESPN, even though it, their big part of the deal it hasn't kicked in yet? Is Monday Night Football going to be amped up? Is Thursday Night Football going to be scaled down because Fox is opting out of the deal a year early? A ton to talk about. And just like we did for the draft, Lynn and myself are going to go live, a live edition of Downey and Martez on the Bucks Nation Twitter page next week to react to the NFL schedule release. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us today. Once again, thank you to everybody who watched and listened last week. And we thank you for listening this week. Once again, Lynn Martez, Trey Downey. This has been Downey and Martez on Bucks Nation.